Thank you for taking time to listen to this message from New Life United Methodist Church. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. We invite you to join us for worship each Saturday evening beginning at 5.30. New Life is located at 8301 Mitchell Road in McChesney Park, Illinois. For information on New Life or our ministries, go to findnewlifeumc.org. You can also send financial contributions to New Life UMC, P.O. Box 2034, Loves Park, Illinois, 61030. To honor copyright laws, some audio portions may have been removed. Again, thank you for listening. With your grace and mercy, allow us to truly hear your word, to truly put it into action, and to truly change our world. We thank you and pray in your holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the uh, letter to the Colossians. So if you have your Bible or Bible apps with you, you can open them to Colossians 3, uh, just the first four verses, and we'll dig into that a little bit later too. Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Therefore, If you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right side. Think about the things above and not the things on earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. God, to bless the reading of the word today. I want to welcome all those joining us online and through our podcast. Uh, you can catch any of this, although this is the first week in our game plan series uh, based on the series by Andy Stanley and Jeff Henderson at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, and I do apologize, we're, we're trying to play with the uh, main speakers, uh, so see if they can uh, work for us. Uh, so uh, if you hear sound adjustments, that's what's going on as we try to uh, see if those speakers are working. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a game plan. What we're really going to talk about is a question, one question, a big question, perhaps the big question, the question that theologians and philosophers and scientists and people that work at McDonald's and pretty much everyone anywhere throughout history has asked, the big question, at least one of the big questions. But before we talk about the big question, we need to talk a little bit about kind of some background. Let's put it this way. A lot of us grew up, I grew up in a church, right? I grew up as the son of a pastor. Most of you know that. Uh, Many of you grew up in church. Some of you didn't. But growing up for me, I grew up in a household and I grew up in a church where I heard this very often. God loves you, which is important. And God has a great plan for your life. Anybody else ever hear that growing up when you're little? That's great when you're little. And, and a little person, and God bless, there's, there's a reason ch- children are so special, because they believe anything you tell them. Right? And that's good and bad, because sometimes I tell my children things that aren't always true. <clears throat> it, it comes out occasionally. I like to mess with them a little bit. 
But as children, we're, we, we want to believe and we're just willing to accept that. I love going to magic shows. My dad, you know, is, is a, uh, my mom and dad are professional magicians and I love watching children. Yeah, they, ju they just assume my dad can do those things. It's cool, they like it, but they, it's not magic to them. They're not trying to figure it out. They just take it for granted. Wow, they can do that. That's cool. The problem is the older we get, when we start having to make decisions, we, we have a couple graduates who are heading off to college here pretty soon, and they had to make a decision, where were they going to go to college? We have people making decisions, where am I going to work, where am I going to live, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Then it becomes a little more difficult. And that God has a great plan for our life, we would like maybe a little bit more detail. Okay, which college would you like me to go to? God, where would you like me to live? How would you like me to spend my time? Who would you like me to spend my time with? What are the details of that great plan? How do I figure out what that plan is? So finding out that plan seems to be a little bit more difficult than we were led to believe as children. But why is God's plan so mysterious? And I think that's one of the questions we're going to ask today. Why is it so mysterious? And maybe it shouldn't be. So that's the main question. What is God's plan for my life? What's God's game plan? There's a lot of different ways to ask it. What is God's will for my life? What is God's calling on my life? There's a lot of different ways to ask it. You can leave God out. Maybe you, don't, you phrase it in a way that doesn't include God. Where am I going in my life? What's the purpose of my life, right? Everybody at some point, whether they believe in God or not, asks that question. What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? It's 42. Okay, we've got one Douglas Adams fan. I like that. So that's the question. But I want to start, before we dig into that question, I want to start with a premise and a promise. All right. The premise is what you learned when you were a child, if you learned it, and if you didn't, I'm going to affirm it today. God does love you, and God does have a great plan for your life. That's the premise. Okay? We can all set that. That's the foundation. God does love you. God has a great plan for your life. And the promise, by the end of this series, it's six weeks, <laughs> so we'll be doing this for a while. But at the end of this series, you will know what that plan is. I promise that. And I'm going to guarantee tonight that we will all walk out of this building understanding God's game plan a little bit more. Understanding what it is. Does that sound good? We can do that? I know we got a lot of people gone tonight, so they're missing out. <clears throat> You'll just have to fill them in during the week. That's what you get for taking vacation. That's all I'm saying. So when looking for those answers, what is God's will for my life? What is God's game plan? Our primary source, our first resource is, it wasn't a rhetorical question, is the, the Bible. Thank you. You guys, you've been coming long? I know. The Bible, yes, that's the first and primary resource that we have. So if you garner 
if you gather together, excuse me, all of the verses in Scripture that say God's will is, okay? God's will is this, God's will is that, uh, the will of God is. You take all of those verses, add them together. Here's what God's will is for our life, okay? All of those verses, there's dozens of them. And I condensed them down to seven things. Pray without ceasing, okay? God's will. Give thanks in everything, God's will. Rejoice always. Submit to authorities. Avoid sexual immorality. Be saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we go home? Is that good enough? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It doesn't seem really satisfying, does it? There's something missing in that list of things. We all know that stuff, right? We know that stuff is good stuff to live by. But there seems to be something, I don't know, something missing, like that's too general. That's too generic. I want God's will for my life. I want the answers. What, God, what is God saying to me? Does God not care about the details of my life? Because God's just saying, well, be saved and don't you know, do drugs, stay in school, that kind of stuff, you know? No, I believe God does care about the details, the minutiae of our lives. The problem is, we hear all that, and we hear all the, the truth of Scripture, but we forget the fundamentals of the game plan. The fundamentals of the game plan. We forget the very foundation that God has established for us to understand God's will. Well, I, I got my jersey out <clears throat> today just because this is a sports-themed series. Uh, but I've got my football out too. There, I'm going to get in trouble. I know this. There is a football coach, perhaps one of the greatest football coaches in the history of football, and I, I hate to say his name. Andrew, yeah, Andrew knows who it is because <clears throat> he likes the Packers. Uh, and that football coach is Vince Lombard, right? It's hard to dispute. He, is, he, he was a great, great coach. He won. He brought the, the Green Bay Packers to the first two Super Bowls ever, and they actually named the trophy, the Super Bowl trophy, after him and the football field and a lot of, if you ever go there, like 16 restaurants and streets and all kinds of things. Um, but he was a great coach. I, I, it's hard to ignore. He did something really cool that I learned about recently. Maybe some of you have heard this before. The first day of training camp, we're in training camp right now, right? We're, we're in preseason games, actually. Uh, but the first day of training camp, Vince Lombardi would get to his team, his, even his Super Bowl champion team. You know, some of you know the guys that were on that team. These guys knew how to play football, right? They won twice and did really well over the course of those years. He would come out to the entire team, he'd get them all together, and he'd say, quiet down, I have something important to tell you. Take out the football. And he says, this is a football. And he would pass it around, and he would say, feel it. Feel how it feels, the laces, get a, a handle on it, how it feels in your hands. You know, if you, can, if you can learn how to throw it, it can spiral. If you learn how to catch it, we can run plays. And he said, feel the football. Get a feel about it. Learn what it is. These are guys who have won Super Bowls, and he's saying this is a football. But his point was simple. 
over the next few weeks, over the next preseason time. We are going to learn plays. We are going to run them. We are going to rehearse. We are going to prep ourselves to win another Super Bowl. But if you do not understand that this is a football, we are not going to play very well. If you do not understand that this is a football and what a football is, you do not belong on the field. I don't care how big your eagle is. I don't care how many passes you received. I don't care how many yards you ran. If you don't understand that this is a football, you don't belong on the field. And sometimes we forget the fundamentals. We forget the basics. This is a football kind of speech. And so God, in God's infinite wisdom, threw in this is a football speech in the Bible. And it's in Colossians. Paul has this wonderful message from God to us, and he shares it with the church in this way. And I, and I read it a little bit. So I want to break down God's football speech because God is telling us the fundamentals. So we're talking about God's will, God's game plan, and we need to know the fundamentals. So the very first verse, Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for things that are above. Sometimes we get down on life. Sometimes we get down on other people. Sometimes we turn our gaze down, right? Because so my notes are here sometimes, and I turn my gaze down. But Paul reminds us, turn your gaze up. We can't ignore our current reality, but we cannot forget the foundation that there is a reality greater than us. That there is a kingdom that has been established since the beginning of time. That is God's kingdom, God's reality. Where do we look? Paul continues, where Christ is sitting at God's right side. This is my right side. Remember, that's kind of a power phrase in Scripture. If you were sitting at the right side, that is the place of all authority. All authority was given to the person who sat at the right side of the king. Jesus Christ sits at the right side of God the Father. Therefore, Jesus Christ has all power and authority. Fix your eyes upon Christ Jesus, is what Paul is saying. Fix your eyes. Look above. And then he just reemphasizes it. Think about things above and not on things on earth, just in case... You, you didn't get it. Jesus does this a lot, and Paul does it a lot too, because sometimes we don't hear the very first thing that they said, so then they repeat themselves, which is helpful. And then he says this. So look on things above. Look at Christ. Turn your gaze to Christ who is above. And then he says, you died. You'd think we would have heard that news. The, the you dying part. I didn't find my name in the obituary this morning. I don't think probably any of you did. But he says you die. There's, there's a great story in Scripture that you know and we've talked about. The story of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus. Lazarus died, right? And Jesus rose him from the dead. Think about what Lazarus may have been like that second time around. Did you know that Scripture says that the religious folks were so upset that Lazarus had been risen from the dead. Because listen, you can believe in Jesus Christ or not, and he, you know there was all kinds of faith healers, and there was great teachers in that time, but nobody else was raising people from the dead. 
So when word got out that someone had been risen from the dead, yeah, people were getting a little excited. And so the, the people who felt threatened by Jesus wanted to, uh, wanted to silence that. So they developed a plot to kill Lazarus. And there's all kinds of, we don't know much more about that plot, but there's stories about what happened. Uh, it would have been fun to be the person that, that kind of went to Lazarus and said, I, got, I know Jesus just rose you from the dead, and that's great, and you're, you're happy. By the way, all of the people are trying to kill you. That's a good conversation. But I think Lazarus' response would have been pretty great. I, I imagine that Lazarus probably would have looked at that person and said, I've already been dead. It's not that big a deal. Because my eyes are fixed on Christ. Because I'm thinking about things that are above. So do you think Lazarus cared about the same things in that second life that he did the first life? Probably not. He was focused on things above, on God's reality. So when we understand who Jesus is and that we can be dead to ourselves and alive in Jesus Christ, we can understand that new reality. And then Paul <clears throat> tries to affirm that and your life, emphasized by my child, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, the next six words are exceptionally important. The next six words are the football speech. Maybe be one of, one of the best little six-word phrases in Scripture. <clears throat> so, so listen and get them down. When Christ, comma, who is your life? It goes on, but just stop there. When Christ, who is your life? If the question is, God, what is your plan for my life? God's answer is simple. I am your life. I am your life. When you ask God, what is your plan for my life? God says, when Christ who is your life, Christ is your life. The reason we are confused is because we think God is a component of our life. God is a part of our life. There's God, and there's work, and there's family, and there's fantasy football, and there's American Idol, and I'm just things that are components of my, not, I don't really do fantasy football, but those are components of my life. I do like American Idol, as you all know. But God is saying here, Paul is saying here, that you understand, that when you understand, the focus of your life is not the future, the focus of your life is not where I am going, what I am doing, where I am living, who I am with. The focus of your life is a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. Then things get different. Then things get a little clearer. Because Jesus leads you to that future that is his will. When you are focused on Jesus, Jesus leads you into the future. His future, which is better, and we've talked about this a lot over a few years, better than our future. This is the gift we need to understand. This is the football speech we need to hold on our hearts. 
Because if you do not understand who is your life, you will not understand where your life is supposed to go. If you don't understand who is your life, you are not going to understand what the plan is. And just to affirm it, Paul says, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. He explains it that. When you are following Christ, Christ leads you to glory. Pretty simple. So now what? <laughs> right? Yay! We figured it out. So now what? What do I do? I got, you know, bills to pay and, you know, things to think about and what's God's specific plan for my life? That's what I really want to know. I know. I'm going to talk about journaling, I think, here in a couple of weeks. And I've got three or four journals, paper journals. Like every other page is filled with, God, what is your plan for my life? It's a prayer I pray every day. God, what is your will for my life? What's your plan for my life? And so we want to know the details. But if we don't understand the foundation, we're not going to get the details. So I, I, I want to kind of to leave you with a now what issue. Okay? So now what do I do? So you told me when Christ who is my life, that's the foundation. Now what? All right? Well, I brought a friend. Maybe some of you know him. You like him? Uh, Mr. Cracker Jack. He's a, he's a first-time guest, so um, I hope he's having a good time. He can fill out a um, communication card later and leave us his information. <clears throat> Cracker Jack. We're familiar with Cracker Jack. A lot harder to find in this form. There's like fancy Cracker Jack. It's delicious, but it does not work for my sermon illustration. Um, so I thankfully Myers carries it. <clears throat> so uh, uh, I was able to find it today. Uh, so caramel corn, peanuts. Uh, it's in the baseball song that I love to sing. But there's something else about Cracker Chat. What is it? There's a prize inside. It says it right on the package. There's a prize inside. There's a prize inside. I want to tell you the reality about that prize. This box of Cracker Jack, which was made in, I don't know, I guess it doesn't tell me. It expires in October, so we'll have to eat it quickly. <clears throat> which is, I didn't think it could expire. <clears throat> this box of Cracker Jack was made in a factory, right? And then brought to a distributor. And then from the Cracker Jack distributor, it was sent to the Meyer warehouse, where it sat for an indeterminate amount of time. And then it was brought to the local Meyer in McChesney Park, and it was placed lovingly on the shelf in the popcorn section. If you, you want some later, that's where you find it. In these three packs for $1.99, it was a pretty good deal, and maybe $1.14. And, and it waited for me to buy it. And all that time, that entire time, the prize was inside. The prize doesn't magically appear when you open it. It's always been there. It's always been there. It's been there in the distributing. It's been there in the Myers. It was there before I bought it. It's here tonight. It's in here. The prize inside. And here's the biblical truth. Here's the spiritual truth. There is a prize inside of each and every one of us. There's a prize inside of us, whether we know it or not. 
we, we take a little bit more of a proactive stance in the Methodist movement. We believe the prize is always present. We believe it becomes more of a reality when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we believe in something called prevenient grace that the prize is always there, and that prize is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the prize inside of each and every one of us. Therefore, when I say Christ who is your life, it just, it, it's not an analogy. It's not just a statement. It's not like a moral truth. It's not something to feel good. It's not something to put on a poster with a cat. You could, I guess. It is true because Christ is in you in the Holy Spirit. God is present inside of you. There is a prize inside. That prize is the Holy Spirit. It is in you. So wherever you go tomorrow, guess what? Christ is inside. The Holy Spirit is inside. God is present. The Spirit is present. So when you ask, now what? Don't worry about it. God is already in you. God is already present in your life. So you need to affirm the reality that when Christ, who is your life, is true. And when your focus is Christ, who is your life, the Holy Spirit then moves and guides and just comes out everywhere you go. Focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on God inside you and you will be led to that future that you are asking the question about. So I'm going to give you some homework this week. Some of our kids started school this week. I kept asking them if they had homework. They didn't. I'm going to write a letter to the Harlem superintendent. I know her pretty well. This kid's got to have homework. The, at least the second day, right? I don't know what this, this new stuff is. but What? Yeah. So this week, this is my homework assignment. I want you to go with God. Okay? I want you to, in other words, stop controlling your future. Stop trying to plot it. And this, you're talking about the ultimate plot everything out guy the guy who likes to have everything. We don't go to Disney World without a game plan. You've got to have a game plan. Wait, I don't go to the supermarket without a game plan. Try not to leave the house without a game plan. <clears throat> doesn't always work out very well for me, obviously. But I want you to stop trying to control your future. Stop obsessing about what is your will for my life and rest. Lift up your head. Focus on Jesus Christ. Just go with God. Stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to control all the little details of your life. Stop trying to control your future. My uh, father called. I think this week, we had court this week. It's been a long week. My father called, and he calls every, every day after, court, after we have court for the kids. And he... Uh, he gets so upset. And it's funny because I understand. And, and he, he gets so upset and he just says, I, I don't know how you guys can, can do this. 
because it, it must be so frustrating because you're, you have to wait and yet there's this process and it's been three plus years now. We've been fighting for these kids. And he said something and it was true. I just let him talk for a while. Sometimes you've got to do that with pastors. Just let them talk. And, and he said, you, you must know that God has a plan for your life and for the life of these kids. And I said, yes. So I'm not worrying about it because I think God's got it taken care of. I can't control, literally cannot control anything in this process. That's the frustrating part because my father, much like me, likes to control everything, likes to have a plan. We're J-types. We just need to. Makes us crazy if we don't have a plan. You can ask my wife. Get, you know, shaky and nervous and need some Coke. Coca-Cola is what I was talking about. Different. That other stuff's not good for you. Stop controlling. Stop trying to figure it all out. So, so what I want you to do this week is rest. All right? Rest in the truth that God loves you. Rest in the truth that God has a plan for your life, a great plan for your life. Rest in the truth that Christ is in you. Rest in the truth that Christ is for you. That Christ wants you to be part of the plan. God living inside you. And I encourage you as you rest, let that prize that is inside, God inside you, come out. Wherever you go. Whatever you do. Don't try to control that either, right? Just let it happen. God will lead you to all kinds of crazy places if you stop trying to lead yourself. Then for the next five weeks, <laughs> we'll figure out the details. But for now, rest. Rest in those truths. And let God inside you lead you this week. Amen. This series is more for me than any of you. I just want you to know that. I'm not lying about those journal entries. I thought it would be appropriate <clears throat> to respond to the good news that Christ, who is our life, is inside us, is leading us towards a better future. I thought it would be appropriate to respond with the prayer that he taught us uh, in its traditional language. Because I haven't found a good reason not to do it in the traditional language. Which should be on the screen. I saw it earlier. There we go. Let's pray this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I, I hope you caught that. That prayer that many of you know and probably pray regularly, I encourage you to. Jesus taught us to do it. Sounds like a good thing to do. God, your will be done. It's one of the very first things. 
you missed it, right? Because <laughs> it's easier for my will to be done. But we pray, God, your will be done. And I encourage you, we're going to uh, do some prayers, uh, intercessory prayers for other people, prayers of the people. <clears throat> encourage you uh, during our prayer time, after communion, after you receive the elements, uh, write a prayer. Say a prayer. You know, just uh, touch the baptismal font. Remember, Christ is in you. Christ is part of you. So let's pray for uh, those who, we, we have a lot of people who can't be here, including some who had surgery this week. And um, uh, we, we just continue to pray for all of our family and friends who are on vacation, this last, last bit of vacation we can take, or uh, in the, the hospital or getting out of the hospital and, and all of that. So let's uh, be in prayer. Uh, I'm going to say something, then we can kind of reflect in silence, and I will end by saying, Lord, in your mercy, and you will respond. And if you forget, it's usually easier when it's on the screen. <laughs> if you forget it's on there, it's not there. So, um, But you know it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Father Almighty, we pray for your will to be done in our world. Lord, in your mercy. We pray that you show us your will for each of our lives. Lord, in your mercy. We pray that you show us your will for our vocation. Lord, in your mercy. We pray that you show us your will for our families. Lord, in your mercy, we pray that you show us your will for our finances. Lord, in your mercy, we pray that you show us your will when dealing with other people. Lord, in your mercy. We pray that you show us your will for our congregation, new life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we pray that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Uh, we're going to receive our offering for the work of our church as we collect our offering. We celebrate a wonderful event on Saturday. We had a community event. It went really well. We uh, met some of our neighbors and uh, collected some great things for the Paper Angel Closet. So thank you for all of your help. Uh, we also had uh, another community uh, event um, at the park here on Friday, and I think that went well. Uh, I was getting my car worked on for five hours, so I was not able to be there. I would have rather been there. Yeah, you can go ahead and collect offering while I'm talking. Um, <clears throat> We uh, have our chili supper coming up in September, uh, so please uh, sign up uh, or talk to Kathy uh, Adams if you are interested in helping out for that chili supper uh, slash silent auction. Uh, so we need lots of good stuff for the silent auction. Again, uh, raising money for our ministry and our paper angel closet. We uh, did have our paper angel closet, the main appointments this month. Uh, of course, we have uh, help with uh, young people and uh, homeless 
youth and uh, foster families throughout the month, but uh, we had our appointments and uh, somewhere around 12 or so people, I think this month, uh, received items. Uh, so we're up this year since January. Uh, we've helped around 81 people. Um, that's why I have 81 on, on the back of my jersey. I thought that was it. That's not, it's coincidental, actually. But uh, we, we just celebrate and uh, continue to pray for all of those people that we've been able to help uh, and encourage you to continue to share that um, ministry with, with everyone you know because it's a great ministry that can, can go a lot and do a lot of uh, things in our community. So. Let's move to our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we start with an act of confession, which we will do together coming to God with wherever we are, with whoever we are. Let us join together in that act of confession. I see it on my screen. There we go. Let us pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Let us just take a moment of silence, bringing to God whatever burdens, whatever we would like. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. So we prepare for communion. I remind you that we practice open table communion here at New Life, which means if you want a relationship with God and with one another, you are welcome at this table, regardless of denomination or affiliation, to affirm the inclusiveness of Christ's table, uh, we use grape juice instead of wine, and we use gluten-free bread, tortilla, tonight. I remind you, we come to this table in thanksgiving, giving thanks to God who created everything, who created you and me, and who wants to have a relationship with each one of us tonight. We gather around this table as a community, not only with those present, but with those all across our world who proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, for those who have come, for those who will come, which we refer to as the great cloud of witnesses. We come to this table remembering that on night, the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread like this, he gave thanks to God in breaking it, he gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body just broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup, he gave thanks to God, giving it to his disciples. He said, drink from this all of you. It's my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember the mighty acts of Jesus Christ 
His life, death, and resurrection. And we remember the mystery of our faith that we don't quite understand how it works, but we do believe. I'll say a line and you repeat it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We believe this is an opportunity, a means of grace, when you can come to the table and experience God's love. And so we pray this prayer. Lord, pour out Your Holy Spirit upon all those gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us Your body that we may be Your body, the church, redeemed by Your blood for this world and the next. And finally, we believe that this is a foretaste of what life will be like when Christ comes again and we feast at his heavenly banquet. So I remind you and invite you to the table, I'll call my communion stewards forward, that this is Christ's body broken for you, that you may be Christ's body the church. And this is Christ's blood shed for you, that you may be forgiven and have new life. Uh, the band will be uh, go first, and then uh, you will come row by row, single file. We get in trouble sometimes. Single file, and then if you're on this side, then you go this way. If you're on this side, then you go this way. But I invite you to take an opportunity to say a prayer, to uh, touch the baptismal font, to uh, go back to your seat and just uh, reflect quietly on this gift of God's grace. The table is set. Come and eat.